Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Welcome back to today's episode. I am very happy that you chose to tune in today. We are talking about inositol. This is probably one of the most talked about supplements for PCOS. And if you're following PCOS accounts online or you read about PCOS on the internet, I am sure that you've come across inositol and some of the recommendations around it. And what I wanted to do today is talk about what it is, what we know from studies, and how you may use it in your own life. And I think that you're going to find the information helpful. We're going to clarify some things and also really dive into the research. PCOS is an area that doesn't get a lot of attention in the research and scientific world. And that's, of course, unfortunate. But the good news is that with inositol specifically, we do have some good studies We do have good information, and there are a lot of recommendations and conclusions that we can draw out of those studies that we do have about inositol, and so I think we're going to focus on the positive today and go with a type of supplement that we know quite a bit about. I get questions about supplements constantly, and while I do give recommendations for supplementation, of course, for my clients and in some of my programs, it's really important to remember that what you hear here today, what you'll hear from me online, is not a recommendation unless you're a client of mine and I know a lot about you and your medical history and labs and all of that good stuff. But if you just hear recommendations online, please take them as general suggestions or more for education purposes as information as opposed to a recommendation specifically for you. Because specifically with supplements, we want to be very careful and very cautious with how we use that information. What may work for someone else might not be suitable for you. And so it's really important to understand this and not just blindly go and take a supplement just because someone recommended it. You want to understand what it's for. You want to evaluate your own situation. And only then can you, you know, decide if this is something that you want to try. And so what we'll talk about today is not a recommendation. It doesn't replace medical advice. And I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there because supplements are to be used in a very specific way especially with PCOS. Not too long ago, I put up a story on my Instagram account asking people if they've used inositol or avocetol or, you know, there are a few different types and we'll get into all of that shortly. But I asked if you've used inositol before, how did it work for you? Was it good? Was it bad? Did it make no difference? And a lot of people said it made no difference, which I have to say surprised me a little bit. But I also have some ideas or thoughts about why that may be. Why is it that someone is using inositol and they're not seeing results or not noticing a difference? And you should be able to tell. Some people said, I'm using it, but I'm not sure if it's working. If you're not sure if it's working, I'm going to say it's probably not working, assuming you've been on it for enough time and that, you know, other things are in place. So I'll talk towards the end of today's episode about why it may be that you're using something like inositol and not seeing results. And other people said it worked great. It dropped their fasting insulin. It helped reduce cravings. It helped them with fatigue and weight loss and a lot of other symptoms. And then some people said, I had a reaction to it. I had palpitations or I had digestive distress or I didn't tolerate it. It just didn't feel good in my body. And so this is just proof and just, you know, 
confirmation that everyone is different. And the first thing that you want to do is think about how it feels in your body. No matter how it works for other people, no matter what all the experts are saying, it's got to feel good to you and in your body. And so that's the first thing that I want you to pay attention if you do decide going out there and trying inositol. Okay, so what is inositol? Well, inositol is a type of vitamin. It's known as a pseudovitamin. It's not exactly a vitamin, but it is from the B vitamin family. And sometimes it's referred to as B8. And it's something that a compound that's naturally found in certain foods. So we know that beans have natural inositol in them, cereal, some fruit and nuts. So it is out there in nature, but generally it's available in low amounts and it's not really enough to replenish or keep up with your body's needs, especially in women with PCOS, where there's an overturning of inositol at a higher rate than normal. And that can cause some depletion of inositol in your body. And specifically, a type of inositol that's called myo-inositol can get reduced to a degree that's not beneficial. And so if there is constantly an overturning of inositol in your body, and even if you're eating foods that contain it, it may not be enough to keep levels stable. Okay, so this is why PCOS and inositol are so tightly linked because with PCOS, we do see that there is some mechanism that's not working properly and it's causing your own body's inositol levels to drop, especially in the ovaries. And so we're going to get into all of that, but generally speaking, inositol is, let's call it a type of a vitamin, does appear in nature, does occur naturally in certain foods but not in enough amounts where most women can maintain normal levels of inositol just by eating these foods. Now, there are two types of inositol, and there are actually nine types of inositol, but we're going to focus on two specific types that are well-researched and are well-known to have some benefits, especially with PCOS, and those are myo and dechiro inositol. Now, it's going to get a little technical today on the episode, but I know you can handle it. Stay with me, and of course, you can always reach out to me if you have questions. So we're going to talk about myo and dechiro inositol. And in order for me to not say inositol a thousand times today, I'm just going to call them myo and dechiro. And all you need to know is that they are two types of inositol. So same molecule, but a little bit of a different chemical structure. And we're definitely not going to get into that. But just know that the two types of inositol have two separate actions and they work in a little bit of a different way. They're also present in the body in different amounts but both are important. So what we know is that generally speaking, dechiro inositol is helpful in reducing insulin resistance, specifically in the peripheral tissue, which is really things like your muscles, your liver. It can really help the body reduce insulin levels. And that is, of course, helpful for reducing insulin resistance. Okay, so dechiro also works in the ovary. And what we know is that when insulin levels in the body are high, insulin is going to start acting on the ovaries to release testosterone instead of estrogen. And there are studies that show that dechiro inositol can help reduce that effect, meaning it can help your ovaries reduce the amount of testosterone that is released. And that's also indirectly related to the fact that it helps reduce insulin. So everything works more like a domino effect here where insulin levels go down, testosterone levels can go down as well, and dechiro is involved in that. 
So you can see how this would be beneficial, especially with women with PCOS having very high rates of insulin resistance. And a lot of the symptoms that women with PCOS are struggling with are related to insulin. So missing periods, cravings, fatigue, weight gain, all of those things are oftentimes related to the root cause of insulin resistance. And so you can see how having adequate levels of D-chiroinositol in your body can be beneficial. So while d works all over the body to reduce insulin resistance, myo-inositol is more localized to the ovary. And just to give you an idea of how important myo-inositol is in the ovary, you can look at the ratio of myo to d in the rest of the body compared to the ovary and realize that there is a lot more myo-inositol in your ovaries than in any other tissue of your body. So in the rest of your body, the general ratio of myo to d inositol is 40 to 1. So just in general, there's a lot more myo-inositol in your entire body compared to d So that ratio is 40 to 1 myo to d In the ovary, that ratio is even higher. So we have a ratio of 100 to 1. 100 times myo-inositol to one part or one time d inositol And so you can see that there's a lot more. The ovary is a very myo-inositol rich tissue. And that makes sense because myo really works to increase reproductive health. It helps with egg quality. It helps with ovulation. It helps increase FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone. That's a hormone that helps you ovulate regularly. And so myo is super important for reproductive health. And it makes sense that it would be found in much higher amounts and a higher ratio in the ovary where all the action takes place. Now, one of the reasons that we hear about inositol so much in the PCOS world is that in women with PCOS, this delicate ratio of myo to d is disrupted for a reason that we don't fully understand or know yet. However, what we do know is that normally myo does convert into d meaning one form can change into another. And what is speculated is that in women with PCOS, this conversion process is dysfunctional. So what happens is that myo gets converted into d too quickly, happening at a higher rate than normal, thereby depleting the levels of myo-inositol and raising the levels of d So there's kind of a disruption in that delicate ratio, and that's believed to cause issues not only with ovulation, but with other symptoms of PCOS related to high androgen levels, insulin resistance, etc. Now, this is something that's unique to inositol. Most other vitamins don't have multiple forms. There's no ratio. We don't need to be worrying about the specific type. And so inositol is unique in this way. And I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to clarify it, especially because I see a lot of supplements out there that are not really mimicking this ratio. And that puts them at a lower quality category as far as I'm concerned. And maybe, just maybe, this is something that's contributing to people not seeing results. Maybe taking the wrong ratio, maybe not taking a supplement that's high quality enough and tailored to the needs of women with PCOS is what may be causing the lack of results. I don't know, but that's just one of my thoughts and I've actually seen it happen. So I'm going to talk about the specific supplements that I usually recommend about the ratios, about what results you can expect and what the science is showing us so that if you do decide to start on an inositol supplements or switch from one that you're taking today based on what you'll learn, I want you to have the right information so you can make the best decision possible. 
Okay, so we talked about what inositol is, we talked about the different types, and we talked about ratios. Let's get into talking about the results. Again, this may get a little technical, but stay with me because this is important. I want you to know the evidence-based recommendations and information that we have about inositol. And again, there's a good body of evidence, so we need to dive into it, we need to understand it, and I'm here to translate it for you. Now, as you may know, in PCOS, what's happening is that throughout the cycle, multiple follicles are developing simultaneously. And this is sometimes called excessive follicle growth. However, none of them make it to kind of the final stage of ovulation where the egg is released from the one specific follicle that is mature. And this is what causes the cysts, the look of cysts on ultrasound. Now, they're not actual cysts. They're just fluid-filled follicles or sacs that remain at this stage and none of them make it to kind of the finish line, okay? So this is sometimes called follicular arrest, meaning a lot of them are developing, but none of them are making it to the final stage of actually releasing the egg. This is very common when there are high levels of insulin, which cause high androgen production in the ovary, and also higher levels of a hormone called LH, luteinizing hormone. What we see in the studies is that myo-inositol has been very beneficial in kind of reversing this situation or at least improving it so that ovulation can become more regular, consistent, and predictable throughout the cycle. And of course, ovulating more regularly and having your ovulation as a predictable part of your cycle can help you conceive more easily and quickly because you know when it's happening and you can plan for it. One of the studies that I looked at in preparation for today's episode had women who took four grams of myo-inositol per day for six months. And what they saw is that 88% of these women who did not have a menstrual cycle or a period before, 88% of them had a spontaneous menstrual cycle during the treatment, during the protocol of the study, of whom 72% maintained a normal ovulatory activity afterwards and a total of 10 pregnancies, which was 40% of patients, were obtained. Those are pretty significant numbers. Another study that was done in women undergoing IVF showed that the same dose, 4 grams per day, when administered three months prior to ovarian stimulation, was able to improve the egg quality as well as pregnancy rates and embryo development. So again, this is in women with PCOS who were undergoing IVF. It also helped, the myo-inositol at 4 grams per day also helped reduce the doses of FSH that were needed, and they also reduced the risk of ovarian hyperstimulation during the process, which is a positive outcome, of course. And then again, this is all in women with PCOS who were undergoing IVF and took myo-inositol daily three months prior to ovarian stimulation. Now, you may say, all right, Daphna, but that's just two studies. How do I know if it's actually going to work? Well, actually, I looked at something called a meta-analysis, which is a review article that looks at a bunch of different studies and compiles all the data from those research experiments. And so we have a pretty good amount of research and data around use of four grams of myo-inositol in restoring ovulation. And the success rate is pretty high. And so I would say that for women struggling with ovulation who have no period and are having very long cycles, this may be beneficial. And again, myo specifically is known for reproductive health. It works primarily in the ovary. And 
it is something that tends to get lower in women with PCOS just because of that overturn that I told you about earlier. And so keeping up the amounts, maintaining that ratio is pretty important. Okay, let's talk about the other form of inositol, which is D-Cairo. So D-Cairo is known, like I said before, to help with insulin resistance. It makes tissues and organs more sensitive to insulin, and that includes your muscles, your liver, as well as the ovaries. So it's not like one works in one area and one is working in the other. There is some overlap, especially with D-Cairo helping reduce insulin levels. That can help reduce the amount of testosterone that's released from the ovaries. So hopefully we're all on the same page here and you're still with me. Again, like I said before, I know it's getting technical and there are a lot of terms that I'm using, but hopefully this all makes sense. Now, like I said before, studies show that when they're combined in the 40 to 1 ratio, Myo and D-Cairo inositol can absolutely improve a lot of different aspects of your health above and beyond your reproductive health. So this combination can help lower lipids, which is your cholesterol, your triglycerides, and it can also help increase your HDL, which is your good cholesterol. So the combination of all three of these things, the reduction in cholesterol, the reduction in triglycerides, and the increase in your HDL, your good cholesterol, can majorly reduce heart disease risk, which is something women with PCOS are prone to. There's also good research to show that that combination of Myo and D-Cairo can really help reduce androgen levels, so reduce your total testosterone. It can help increase insulin sensitivity, meaning increasing your body's response to insulin, which can help reduce cravings, fatigue, mood swings, and weight gain. So those are all positive things. And adding D-Cairo to Myo actually produced more regular ovulation than Myo alone in some of these studies. And so it does seem like the combination in the ratio of 40 to 1 is the ideal way to go for improvements overall. So in most cases with PCOS, people are going to struggle with more than just ovulation or lack thereof. They're going to struggle with cravings, fatigue, weight gain, high androgen levels, and the symptoms that come along with that. And so because PCOS is a syndrome and there are a lot of different symptoms that are involved in it, and many people experience an overlap of high androgen levels, high insulin level symptoms, etc., it probably is beneficial to go with a combination therapy of Myo and D-Cairo in the 40 to 1 ratio because we do see that that produces the best results overall. Now, one interesting thing that I came across was studies that compared metformin with inositol, with berberine. So they took all the different ways that we know help reduce insulin levels and they compare them. And this was a meta-analysis, which means they took 22 different studies that combined had over 1,000 participants and they looked at how these different treatments compare. And so one of the things that was most interesting is that they took 60 women who received 1,500 milligrams of metformin per day and 60 women who got 4 grams of myo-inositol per day. It was myo-inositol with folic acid specifically. And what they saw is that ovulation was restored in 65% of women with the myo-inositol treatment versus only 50% in the metformin group. So obviously, it's not that metformin doesn't work, but this study did show that myo-inositol with folic acid worked better, and there were also more pregnancy that occurred in the myo-inositol group versus the metformin. So specifically, there were 18% of patients in that group that conceived versus 11% in the metformin group. 
And really the best part is that women reported way less symptoms in the myo-inositol group versus the metformin group. So as you know, metformin can cause diarrhea and cramping, and that's probably one of the biggest drawbacks of metformin is the side effects and the fact that many women just simply don't tolerate it. So it's not that it doesn't work. It's something that many women don't tolerate. And if we have proof and evidence that myo-inositol can work just as well, if not better, with less side effects, to me, that's a no-brainer. And just as a side note, one of these studies used berberine in addition to metformin. So one group got metformin on its own. One group got metformin with berberine, which is a natural supplement that's helpful in reducing both cholesterol and insulin levels. And adding the berberine to metformin was also seen to be highly effective in not only reducing insulin, but also reducing BMI and testosterone levels compared to metformin on its own. So I thought that was interesting. And if someone's taking metformin, it's not to say that they have to rely solely on that medication. You can always add a more natural supplement and augment the effect of metformin so that you can see better results and maybe even over time get weaned off of metformin and continue with the more natural approaches of nutrition and lifestyle changes and supplements, which everyone should be doing right along with taking a medication. So it's really important that if you are on a medication, you're not just relying on that. You're continuing to work on the other aspects as well, because that's going to hopefully, first of all, help you see better, more quick results, but over time, allow you to come off the medication if that's one of your goals. Okay, so when we look at the data, the evidence is there. We know that myo-inositol and the combination of myo and dechiro-inositol can absolutely help improve PCOS symptoms. Specifically, myo-inositol is improving ovulation. Dechiro-inositol in combination with myo is going to improve insulin resistance. One of the things that we don't want to do is just take dechiro. That has actually been seen to be harmful for egg quality and for ovulation. And so studies do look at each one of these components separately. And what they saw is that the bottom line, you either take myo on its own or you take a combination in a 40 to one ratio. And those two forms were seen to be most beneficial. Now, there are a lot of other ratios that were tested. I actually came across a study that looked at seven different ratios. And basically, the authors found that the 40 to 1 myo to dechiro ratio was the best one for PCOS. And it was helpful for restoring ovulation, normalizing important parameters like luteinizing hormone, testosterone, estrogen, sex hormone binding globulin, all of these hormones that are very important for PCOS management were improved with a 40 to 1 ratio and high doses of supplementation of dechiral were suspected to disrupt the body's natural balance of inositols. And that's probably why there was a negative effect there. Now, unfortunately, even though we have this research, a lot of companies are still putting out supplements that don't follow these guidelines. They don't have the right ratio of myo to dechiro. Some of them have only dechiro. Some of them have other stuff thrown into the mix that's not beneficial or helpful. It just makes you pay more money for the supplement and you're probably peeing all of that extra stuff out. And so what I usually recommend is going with a supplement that does contain the 40 to 1 ratio and just Generally speaking, that's going to be 4,000 myo to 100 dechiro for the whole day. It's best to split it into two or even three doses. 
for best absorption and most quality products are going to instruct you to do it that way. And so if you take two servings of 2000 Mayo to 50 D Cairo twice a day, that should cover you as far as the recommendations go and the ratio. And just to clarify, this should be one single product. You don't have to combine two different supplements to get the ratio on your own. A good quality product will already have this inside. Now, again, remember, this does not replace medical advice. You should still see someone who knows you, who understands your medical history and can recommend a supplement that's suitable for you. But as far as the general guidelines, this is what I would recommend if you were to start taking inositol and wanted to look for a quality supplement that provides everything you need in the right amounts and ratios. There are two main forms of inositol on the market, powder and capsules. The powder is to be mixed with water. It's usually flavorless, odorless, and you absolutely can combine it into your regular hydration routine throughout the day. And I like that because it helps you drink more water. And the other form is just a capsule. So I think this is a personal preference. You always wanna go with a third-party tested supplement to make sure that the active ingredients and the amounts are really there. That means that a separate lab that's unaffiliated with the manufacturer has looked at the product, tested it, and confirmed that what is listed on the label is really inside. That's really important because supplements are not regulated at least here in the US. And supplements that have done third-party testing will have a seal usually on the bottle and it's called a USP or an NSF seal, okay? So this is something that I'll talk more about in an upcoming episode about how to choose your supplements. So be sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get notified when that episode is out because it's going to help clarify exactly how I recommend you pick a high quality supplement so it's not a waste of your time and money. Okay, so just to recap, if you're choosing a high quality supplement that has the 40 to 1 ratio and you're splitting the dose throughout the day for maximum absorption, you're doing well. It doesn't really matter if you're going with a powder or a capsule as long as you're meeting the criteria that I just said. And it's much more important that you pick a supplement that you can take regularly and stay consistent with it. So the format has to work for you, whether that's the powder that you mix with your water bottle or it's a capsule that you just take it and you're done. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're staying consistent and developing a solid routine that you can stick with long term when it comes to managing your PCOS. Okay, I have a few additional final thoughts for you and then we'll wrap this baby up. The first thing is that nutrition is always gonna come first. When you're thinking about adding a supplement, I want you to first make sure that you have a solid routine with your nutrition at least most days. So you're working on improving the food that you're eating, you're working on your eating habits and getting more nutrition into your day, making sure that you're eating protein and fiber and veggies and all of that great stuff that I have many, many podcast episodes and content on, on my social media. Supplements come last. They're kind of like the cherry on top. I always tell people you would never just floss and not brush your teeth. Taking a supplement without working on your food first is kind of like flossing without ever brushing your teeth. Floss is like the final touch. It's that last thing that takes your results from great to amazing. This is what a supplement is like as well. It's gonna take your results from great to amazing. The foundation is what you do every single day with your nutrition and lifestyle habits. And so we cannot rely on a supplement. It really does come in last to fine tune everything and just put that last magic touch on it. 
The other thing is that everyone is different. And just like the survey that I put on my Instagram and everyone's responses were a little bit different. Some people said it didn't work at all. Some people said I actually had a negative reaction to it. And some people said it worked great. I love it. I'll never stop taking it. Everyone is different. So you have to take the recommendation, try it on for size, see how it fits, and then run with it if it's good or let it go if it's not good. And you have to listen to your body first. Your body is going to tell you. So if you're getting palpitations or digestive issues or cramps when you're taking inositol, obviously it's not for you. And that's not to say that there's no other options. There are plenty of other options for you. This one just happens to not work. And we don't have to stress or worry about it. We just got to move on and continue with trial and error to make sure that it works. Now, if you have done it in a way that doesn't correspond with what I taught here today, meaning the ratio or the quality wasn't good, or you weren't working on nutrition first, maybe it didn't work for you for those reasons. It's not that your body doesn't tolerate it, it's that you maybe took a type of supplement that didn't have the right ingredients or the right formulation, and that's why it may not showed you any results or even created negative outcomes. And so you may want to try it again, that's totally up to you, but I'm just saying make sure that you're trying it in the right way first, and that of course you're constantly continuing to work on your nutrition because that's going to give you the biggest results, okay? So it's not just about the supplements, you do want to make sure that you're giving it enough time too. So I usually recommend at least four to six weeks before we decide if something's working or not working for you. Now, of course, if you're not tolerating it, you may not make it to four or six weeks and that's okay. Like I said, try other options, find other solutions that may work better for you. But if you are trying it, don't stop after two weeks because you're not seeing results. If you're tolerating it, keep on taking it. Some of the studies We're using it for six months or even more before people started seeing results. And so longevity is important. You want to stay on it as long as you can before deciding. But I would say a minimum is four to six weeks. For most people, four to six months is even a better indication. Some people on Instagram said, I've been taking it for over a year and I'm not noticing any difference. That's probably too long. So it may be time to come off of it if it's been that long and you're not seeing any results. If you're taking a medication to regulate insulin levels or reduce blood sugar levels, especially if you're taking insulin, if you have type 2 diabetes and you're on insulin or any other medication that may alter your blood sugar levels and create hypoglycemia, meaning low blood sugar levels, you want to be very cautious because, of course, inositol can improve insulin resistance, which in turn can reduce your blood sugar levels further. So we don't want anyone, you know, feeling weak or shaky or having episodes of of hypoglycemia because they added inositol. And so again, this is why you want to work on the nutrition, make sure your meals are balanced or keeping your blood sugar stable, and then inositol may be helpful for you. But that's one more reason to consult your doctor, someone who knows you, can look at your medications and medical history and make a recommendation based on that. And of course, if you don't have a provider like that in your life, You're not someone who has a good team around them as far as your doctor, your endocrinologist, your OBGYN. Consider working with a dietitian that can help you sort all of it out. Maybe your doctor is not inclined to work with you in that way or they're not knowledgeable enough about nutrition and supplements. Some doctors just don't want to go there and they're dismissive. And so if that's been your experience, seek out someone who is an expert in this field, like a dietitian, and they can absolutely help you. And there are many wonderful dietitians out there that specialize in PCOS. 
All right, that's all I have for you for today. I hope you found it helpful and valuable. And if you did, I would also love it if you could leave me a rating and a written review on Apple Podcast. It helps the show get to more people and I'd be forever grateful for your time and feedback. All right, I'll see you here again next time. Bye.